just wanted to remind you again, uh, we are going to be celebrating communion together at the conclusion of the service uh, today. And uh, so if you did not already receive communion elements, if you're here on site, grab uh, Holly, wave, and we'll get that to you. Um, but also if you're, if you're at home, um, I would just encourage you to take a moment to run to the kitchen, get some supplies, uh, whatever you have that would be uh, a good symbol of, of Christ's body and his blood that he has shed for you. I just want to encourage you to prepare for that because uh, we're really going to be reflecting on um, we're going to be reflecting on uh, the Passover. If you've been working through Mission 119, I believe the final text that you read this week uh, would have included uh, the account of the Passover of, of that tenth and final plague uh, that God brought upon Egypt to not only show that Yahweh Jehovah was the true God. And so if you were walking through that, hopefully you found it fascinating to hear Reverend Soper's descriptions of how uh, each of the plagues connected specifically to one of the false gods of Egypt. Uh, and you see God triumphing and Jehovah triumphing through each of those plagues, but it leads to that fi tenth and final plague of, of the uh, death of the firstborn of Egypt. And, and the picture of, of God's people being protected literally passed over when the judgment came because of the blood that was on the doorpost, the blood of the shed lamb. You know, as we think about t that today, I, I realize this is Palm Sunday, uh, and we typically, in our tradition, we, I mean, sometimes if we skip, especially if you skip out on the Good Friday service, I encourage you to definitely tune in either the live stream or come out to First Methodist uh, Friday at 7.30. Uh, but, you know, we, in our tradition, sometimes we rush to Easter. We, we rush to get to Easter and celebrate the resurrection and the new life. And, and, and I mean, I think most Christians would say that Easter Sunday is one of their favorite days of the, of the Christian calendar of just celebrating Jesus's conquering death and rising again. But I think as we think about this Palm Sunday and, and, and moving into this Holy Week, it's important that we take the time to pause and reflect upon that crowd who went from cheering Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to a few days later crying crucify him. We need to take that theme of Jesus being king, but also understand what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, that Jesus is also the suffering servant. And, and when we look at what Jesus did upon the cross for us and in the suffering leading to the cross, we're reminded that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And, and maybe you've ne never made that direct comparison or maybe you knew there was a comparison there between the Passover and, and Jesus and what he institutes in the Lord's Supper and taking the bread and the cup and establishing this practice that has been, been held for over 2,000 years by Christians and remembering what Jesus did for us and, and, and celebrating what he's done for us. The fact that it was connected to Passover, and Jesus made a clear connection with that. I've always found it interesting. Some of you, we all have different holiday traditions, and one of the things I found, this is, wasn't a significant thing, but often on the evening of, of the Saturday before Easter, I would find that we would, at least I, I would often put the TV channel on, I think it's on ABC, but ABC, Saturday night, Easter weekend, they show this, I believe it's been ABC each of the years, but Somewhere on Saturday night every year, uh, the Cecil B. DeMille 
not the first, but the second film that he produced in the 50s uh, of the Ten Commandments is aired. And with the commercials, it's long. It's a long movie to begin with. You add the commercials, you can put it on at 7 o'clock, and it'll be on until you're drifting off ready for, ready for bed. But, you know, that, that movie, that classic movie with Yul Brenner and Charlton Heston tells the story of God's calling Moses, sending Moses in to confront Pharaoh, to be used by God to confront Pharaoh, and you have the story of all the plagues and, and leading to the tenth plague of the Passover and the death of the firstborn of Egypt, which is interesting. Again, if you've been reading through Exodus uh, in the Mission 119, you know that the story of Moses starts with the death firstborn of Israel. And that's why Moses is put into a basket and, and let go to, in uh, the Nile so that he might be saved from destruction. So there's, you see that story come full circle in the 10th plague of, of the, the destruction of the firstborn of Egypt. But in that, you see not only the judgment, you see God's protection and his salvation of his people that then is further seen in, in the deliverance of his people out of Egypt into the promised land. As we think about this truth today, I want us to read briefly Exodus 12. Now we're gonna, the whole chapter really focuses on the Passover, but we're going to be primarily then in Luke. But I want to start in Exodus 12, 21 through 28. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves among your, according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel, lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come into the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised you, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. And then the people of Israel went and did, all, did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. What we're going to read in Luke 22, 14 through 23 is going to celebrate, this is where Jesus is preparing to celebrate this, this high feast that Israel would celebrate each year. And it was actually the beginning of their, their uh, liturgical calendar was the celebration of Passover. It was the most significant thing that Israel celebrated of, of when God delivered him, it delivered them, their, God's people from Egypt. And specifically, that night of Passover and God's provision for his people because of the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Jesus, in, in the first verses, what we're going to read today in Luke 22, verse 14 through 23, we're going to see Jesus is in this place where he's looking forward to celebrating Passover because he knows it's going to be some of his final moments with his disciples. But Jesus also knows what's to come. He knows that shortly after this time of celebration of the Passover with his disciples, 
that Jesus becoming, that being the Passover lamb was going to suffer and was going to die. We see this in these words, and let's, let's just read verses 14 through 23 of Luke 22. Luke 22. It says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. We're going to come back and explain that later. Verse 17, he says, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of it until the fruit of the vine, until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and and when he had given thanks, he broke it and, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup is, is, pouring, is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which one of them could be who was going to do this? You know, there's some key themes, and this is one of those things that you, we could take multiple weeks to look at the similarities between the Passover uh, and um, the Passover and the Lord's table and celebrating and taking the bread and the cup. Uh, some of you I know have been through a Seder meal uh, that looks at the significance of each piece of the Passover. We only are seeing glimpses of what took place in that evening where Jesus would have celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. We know that the Passover meal was much more involved. There were multiple cups. There were multiple uh, parts of that celebration. But we're going to highlight today just four key themes that I think are are critical for us as Christ followers. And as we prepare to take the bread and take the cup and celebrate Jesus as our Passover lamb, uh, I just want to highlight some themes that I I think are important for us to see that connection between Passover and and what Jesus establishes here in, in the, at the Last Supper, in, in what we as Christians for, Christians for over 2,000 years have celebrated in remembering Jesus' death and his sacrifice for us. What we see first is when we, when we understand what Passover was for Israel and what Jesus now is establishing in, in taking the bread and the cup and identifying himself in this way, is that, is that this is a call to remember. And, and you see that phrase specifically uh, in, in verse 19, that do this in remembrance of me. That idea of remembering was something that, that Israel understood. Israel had a lot of their worship and a lot of their ceremonies that they did were all looking back at what God had done in, their, in the history of their, their life as a nation, as God's chosen people. And, and for Israel, celebrating Passover was, was helping them to remember and look back at, at what, Jesus, or what God had done for Israel in, in calling them out of Egypt. What's interesting, if you read through chapter 12 of Exodus, and you may have picked up even in the section that we read, if you're reading through Exodus, in, in, through consecutive chapters, you're, you're reading the account. And, and you're, so you're seeing all the plagues, you're seeing the account as it's happening. But when it gets to chapter 12, there's, there's two things going on here. You're getting the account of what's happening 
But throughout that entire chapter, you also have these bits and pieces of, of establishing this ritual that is not just telling the story of Passover, it's, it's establishing the celebration of Passover for God's people. You see that theme throughout the entire chapter that, that it's both giving the story, telling the story, but it's telling it in a way that's all part of the ceremony that Israel would have celebrated every year. That ceremony that Jesus was looking forward to celebrating with his disciples. Passover became not just a looking back, it it established a memorial that that centered on on who God's people were. It was part of their identity of knowing that they were God's people that had been delivered and redeemed. That looking back was central for Israel, and and in verse 19, you see Jesus says he's now establishing this new tradition for his followers in verse 19, it says that Jesus said he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is giving this picture and he's telling, remember, much like what was happening with Egypt or Israel while they were in Egypt, the establishment of the instructions of celebrating this meal of, of, of killing the lamb and, 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 and putting the blood on the doorposts and, and all that was involved in Passover. It was part of God's deliverance from, his, from, from Egypt. And so the deliverance hadn't even happened yet, but he's establishing this as a memorial. And, and much in the same way, Jesus here, he's, he's hinting to the fact uh, and pointing to the fact that he's about to suffer, that he's about to die. And he's taking this familiar image of Passover for, for all of the disciples. They would have, this is, would have been something they would have celebrated every year of their life. And now Jesus is taking parts of that celebration and identifying himself with it that Jesus is taking this celebration and establishing something new that in the same way Passover, celebration of Passover would have been significant to the identity of God's people Israel. As Christ followers, central to our identity as Christ followers is the celebration of taking the bread and taking the cup and proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Remembering who he is and what he has done for us. A significant part of what we do when we take the bread and the cake, take the cup today is a call to remember. And, and I think what's interesting, when you read through the Gospels, it's pretty clear that the disciples don't quite get it at the time, whether it's at this incident or throughout. It, I believe it, whether it was after the resurrection or whether it was after Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, at some point a light went on and they started thinking about all the things Jesus said. And it began to, rem- I mean, you can kind of imagine uh, Luke and or the, each of the disciples, Matthew and uh, Peter and, and, and each of the disciples thinking back and say, remember when Jesus said this? I, I kind of wonder how confused they were that night because they still weren't fully understanding what, even though Jesus had been telling them, this is why I'm going to Jerusalem. He had been telling them, but the, the disciples were slow to get it. But at some point they got it. And each of the gospel writers are reporting this with the full understanding of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And, and, and we're called to remember, we're called to look back and remember what Jesus did for us. 
What's maybe a little more subtle is that we're also called to look forward. Israel's view of the Passover was not just a looking back. It was also, it had become a part of their celebration of who they were as God's chosen people, that they were also looking forward to the promise of the Messiah. So when they gathered and, and they looked back at God's deliverance and God's redemption, it reminded them that they were God's chosen people and that they were looking forward to the day that God would send their Messiah. They were looking both back and forward. I love the image. It wasn't in the text that we read today, but if you read, go back and read through the whole of Exodus 12, you're going to see a little piece that I think I often read over multiple times and didn't really stand out as significant. But there are specific instructions of how the people are to eat the meal. Not only what they, how, they, how they handle the lamb and all those details, but do you remember it, they, they're given specific instructions that they're to be dressed and ready to go. Staff ready. Bags packed. They're to be dressed for travel. Because they're waiting. They know that this is the final. They've seen all the other nine plagues come upon Egypt. They know that God's about ready to bring down the hammer and deliver them and rescue them from the hand of Egypt. And, and, and they're to be dressed as they eat this meal, dressed with the anticipation of what God is going to do for them. It's a picture of them looking forward, waiting for what God is going to do. We see themes of looking forward even in what Jesus is establishing here in this text. In Luke twenty-two fifteen says, And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You know, when you read that account, you're like, well, wait, what, what does that mean? What, what's the, what, what is Jesus saying here? That literally, some, in some of the manuscripts and some of your other translations may have a note that more literally it's, I'm not going to eat of this again until the, king, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Jesus is understanding he's about to suffer, he's about to die, but he's also thinking and pointing forward to what we know in, in Revelation as the marriage supper of the Lamb, that, that picture where all those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, we will gather to worship and to celebrate together. But even before that, we see after the resurrection in Luke 24, 30 through 31, you remember the account, Jesus is walking with the disciples and they don't recognize him. And Jesus is, is preparing to keep walking, but he, he incur- that these disciples invite him to come and just stay with us, at least eat with us. Verse 30 and 31 in Luke 24 says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. That passage, while at first reading it seems weird, <laughs> the fact that the disciples don't recognize, there's something, something that's preventing them from seeing that this is Jesus, who they had followed and they had walked with. But there's something significant being recorded by Luke in, in those verses, that, that when Jesus takes the bread and he breaks the bread, the cloud is lifted and they see Jesus for who he is. And, and, and it's important that we understand that when we celebrate the kingdom of God coming, for those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we, we know that the kingdom has come. The kingdom is here because God's kingdom has come and is in our hearts and our lives as we surrender our lives to our king. 
But we also look forward to that future kingdom coming where all things will be new. All things will be made right. We've talked a lot, if, if you've heard any of my teaching, you know, we talk about that. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom is coming. It's, we live in this in-between. And, and I love these two images that Jesus, Jesus at the last supper, he's, he's telling them that I'm not going to eat this again until the fulfillment of the kingdom. I think there's a twofold aspect of this. We see the account of the resurrected Christ breaking the bread in the presence of the disciples and they see him. And while in our tradition, we, we, we lean more towards looking at the bread and the cup as symbol. It's remembering. It's looking back and remembering what Jesus has done for us. Some traditions take the more literal interpretation and in saying this is the body, this is the blood. But, you know, even in our traditions that emphasize, our tradition that emphasizes more remembering and symbol, it's important that we understand that, that there's a significance of Jesus' presence with us spiritually. That in the same way when Jesus took the bread, and the resurrected Christ took the bread and broke the bread and, and the eyes of the disciples were opened, I believe that when we take the bread and we take the cup, Jesus is with us in a very special way. Not literally in the, in the bread and the cup of what we drink, but his spirit is here with us. And, and, and that's part of living in the kingdom of God is knowing that Jesus, our king, lives with us, lives in us. And we celebrate his presence with us. But we also look forward to that, the full culmination of the kingdom coming. In, in Revelation 19, 9 through 10, we see the description of the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says in verse... Nine, it says, and the angel said to me, write this. These are God's word to, to John, the apostle. Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words. And then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. That image, that invitation to the being invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb is this, this future celebration where we'll gather. I mean, just picture this. Picture a, picture a scene where we gather not only people in this room who have put their faith and trust in Christ, but people from every nation, every tribe, tongue, and nation, is what Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 tell us, that there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne of God. And we're invited when we put our faith and trust in Jesus to know that we not only can experience his presence in our lives now, but there's going to be that day where people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gather around the throne to worship and gather at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the only reason we can be there is not based on what we have done, but by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us. We not only look back, we look forward. And, and this is even seen in the text that I typically read on Communion Sundays, in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11. That final verse that I read each month says, that, I mean, after we t the description of taking the bread and taking the cup, it says in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That verse is so significant because it reminds us that taking the time to, to celebrate and taking the bread and the cup, it's not only looking back, it's also looking forward. It's looking forward to, to all that Jesus has done for us. Obviously, one of the most significant things in this account is Jesus is clearly identifying himself as the Passover lamb. 
that connection kind of jumps off the page. If, if, you, if you had any understanding of Passover and then see what Jesus is about to do, we understand that in the same way that that lamb in the celebration of Passover gave its life to where its blood would be put on the doorposts and, and, and it would cause the protection of God's people so that when God's judgment came, God's wrath came, their homes were passed over. You see that because it's because of the sacrifice of the lamb. Jesus is showing us that he is the Passover lamb. In Exodus 12, verses 5 through 6, the lamb is described in this way, the Passover lamb. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. And when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall, they shall kill their lambs at twilight. And we know that the, the blood is then, when the passage we just read, was, was put on the doorposts and, and, and provided for God's protection. I think there's a connection also, if you read the rest of the story, keep reading through Exodus. We see the picture at Mount Sinai where God establishes his covenant with his people. And, and as part of the covenant, establishment of the covenant, in, verse, in Exodus 24, 8, it says, and Moses took the blood and he threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Jesus has shed blood in what he's about to do upon the cross. He's, he's clearly connecting for each one of us uh, the image that he is the Passover lamb. No further sacrifices would be needed because Jesus was the perfect lamb who gave his life. John the Baptist, if you remember in John 1, when Jesus came and, and John the Baptist sees him, remember John's declaration? In John 1, 29, John says, or it says when the next day when Jesus, or when he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We look at Jesus as the Passover lamb. We, even just in the term Passover, we're, we're in the same way that God passed over the homes of those who placed the, their faith in the, the blood upon the doorposts. It's a picture of the atonement that we experience in, in, in our life as Christians. That we put our faith in Christ and his shed blood so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin because Jesus paid the penalty of our sin and his blood covers us. So that when Jesus, when God the Father looks at us because of Christ's shed blood, he looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Christ. His blood that he, Jesus poured out for us was not only so that we can be forgiven, but that, that we would that God's wrath would pass over us so that we could know forgiveness and, and experience the righteousness of Christ in our life that allows us to stand before God. It allows us to approach God's throne of grace with confidence because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus and his shed blood and what he has done for us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we can experience this, and, and that's the last point. That I, and I think Reverend Soper did a good job of highlighting this this week. And if you've been walking through the Mission 119, is there when you look back at Passover and, and the fact that they had to choose, they, the, the, each, each of the Israelites, each of the homes had to do all that God had commanded them and, and, the, and to put the blood upon the lintel and the doorposts. 
And in putting their faith and trust in following what God had told them to do, they find deliverance. When we look at Jesus and what he establishes here and look and see what Jesus establishes in his death and in his resurrection, we know that we have to personally make a choice to put our faith and trust in Jesus. While Jesus died for all people, the invitation to trust Jesus is clear that, that we have to make a choice. It's a choice of trust. It's a choice of faith, of putting our faith in Jesus to believe. John 3.16, probably a verse that most of you know well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him and literally trusts in him, puts their confidence in him, should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we earn, what we deserve for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But we have to put our faith and our trust in him. Paul later in Romans 10 says this in verses 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I don't know where you're at in your own walk with God. It's my prayer that this morning, or even this week, that you take the time. If you've never come to a point in your life that you've made the choice to put your faith and trust in Jesus personally, as your Passover lamb, I I want you to take the time today to pause and reflect, and if you're ready, simply pray within your heart, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I surrender my life, and and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Invite him to come in and fill you and lead you. What we're doing in taking the bread and the cup is celebrating what Jesus does in our hearts and our lives when we make the choice to put our faith in him. Like Israel had to put the blood on on the doorposts and the lintel, We have to make the choice to say, I'm going to put my faith and trust not in my own ability, not in my own works, not in my own goodness, not in my own righteousness, but I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray and and invite you to just renew your trust in Jesus as Savior if, if you already have come to that point. But if you're here and you've never really made that decision, I invite you to pray with me. But, you know, I, I would encourage you, too, if you're, if you're still processing, reflecting, Go back and read Exodus 12. Read through Luke, the Luke account that we've just read. You know, there's, some, there's a couple other significant phrases that I just want to highlight with before we take the bread and take the cup today. Is the rep- repetition of the statement, whether it was the bread or the take the cup, Jesus says, it's for you. He looks at his disciples and he says, this is for you. It's for each one of us. Jesus laid down his life for you. And he invites us to put our faith and trust in him to receive his forgiveness. To to have the hope of eternity. To put our faith and our confidence in Jesus, our Passover lamb. One of the other things in this text I think is a little more subtle. That stood out to me as I was reading through the commentaries though is that there's an aspect of um, Jesus 
that we don't know all the details of how he's celebrating Passover, but we, there's one thing that's a clear deviation from the Passover. When Jesus takes the cup, it's, it's apparent in this account is that what he is offering is from his own cup. Whereas in the traditional celebration of Passover, each of the disciples would have had their own cup. But here, the source is Jesus' cup. And, and it reminds us that Jesus is, Jesus is our hope. He is the Passover lamb, and we have to put our faith and trust in him. And so I just want to encourage you today to let those words that he laid down his life for you, that his life was poured out for you, penetrate your heart, and whether you've already given your life to Christ, just renew that commitment with me and pray these words. If, if you've never made this decision to follow Christ, I invite you to pray with me in your heart. And then following that, we're gonna, I'm going to invite the worship team to come and lead us into a time of worship and celebration of the Lord's table together. you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you. You are the perfect sacrifice. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You are the, the Passover Lamb. Lord, I just pray that even in this moment, whether it's for the first time or whether it's renewing our faith and our confidence in you, Jesus, as our Passover Lamb, as our Savior, Lord, just increase within our heart, Lord, a desire to know you. Lord, I just pray even now for those who have come and, and they haven't put their faith and trust in you, that they would just pray these words in their hearts as, as we all pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for taking your sin, or my, our sin upon the cross, Lord, and dying in our place. Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that you have secured for us in paying the penalty for our sin. I invite you into my life as Lord and as Savior. I receive your free gift of forgiveness, your free gift of eternal life. Come into my life, fill me, lead me. Lord, help us all to become more and more like you until the day, Jesus, that you return for us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.